a 2001 Ford Ranger, a small topper on the back, high miles. But Ryan Inselman loved that truck. It really went everywhere he did. In the bed, a pretty fancy set of drums tucked away for his life on the road as a professional drummer. But next to all of that, a little pile of fishing gear, a kit that still goes where Ryan goes. Today, the story of a rocker who found a unique way to balance a rather wild work life with a passion for fishing and life outdoors. I'm Bill Shirk. I fish, I hunt, I camp, and I tell stories. Welcome to the Minnesota Bound Podcast, the stories behind the stories. Well, Ryan, thanks so much for joining me in the house today. Yeah, thank you for having me. You snuck us in between gigs. I kind of love it. <laughs> what color was that little pickup? It was, it was like tan, tan color. I do miss it. And it was your ride. It was. It was. Yes, absolutely. Uh, any idea how many miles you put on that thing? Uh, back in those days, it was a lot. Uh, I would say putting on about 25,000 miles a year was an unusual. Um, uh, it's, it's slowed down a little bit since then, but yeah, definitely a lot of miles on that truck. And the fishing rod inside. We'll get to that in a second, but... Where were you going? Like, what, what were you doing? You are a professional drummer by trade. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I was, I was, I guess, around those times, you know, going from band to band. Uh, I mentioned to you earlier, I was playing with Jesse Lang, who is Johnny Lang's little sister. She was touring on the road for, for quite a while, um, along with a whole, I guess it's tough to remember all the bands, but uh <laughs> But yeah, you just kind of find yourself, um, you know, driving from town to town. Uh, at that point, I was probably finishing up uh, school too, uh, up at St. Cloud. Um, still doing a bunch of, of teaching as well. I was teaching up in Grand Rapids, I think at the time with their high school marching band program. And, but then I was playing four to five shows a week. So you just end up kind of uh, zigzagging across Minnesota and really the whole Midwest. Uh, found myself in small town after small town that I'd never heard of driving through, but yeah, that's uh, with a back full of drums and uh, always kind of a fishing rod tucked in there somewhere. All right. So let's go back in time. Let's go back to being a kid. Yeah. Did you fish when you were growing up? I, I did. I did. And, and it's kind of weird because um, being a musician, I grew up in Sock Rapids, Minnesota. Um, and I, uh, I was, I guess, kind of unusual in the sense that I played hockey in sports. Golf and hockey were the, the two sports that I played. But I was also a musician, um, which is kind of odd, an odd pairing, especially in small town Minnesota at that I time. I get it. And, um, uh, and I liked being outdoors, so, and I hunted and fished. That's really kind of a crazy trio of things. And so... Um, were you playing the drums back then? Well, so when or I... I did. I started drums in eighth grade, but I didn't really truly uh, find my passion for it until I was about a junior in high school. Um, never actually played in a rock band until I was in college, end of college, really. Did you play other instruments? I played in drum and bugle corps, marching band. Yeah. I was a, I was a big drum corps guy. Um, I spent thousands of hours uh, practicing marching snare drum and 
uh, everything that came with that. I toured with a bunch of drum and bugle corps at that point. Uh, one called Minnesota Brass here in the in the Twin Cities, which is a all age group, yeah. is where I started. And then I went to the Madison Scouts, which is in Madison, Wisconsin, for a few years, and then came back to the to the community, um, and continued playing, and then got more into teaching. So at that point, I was playing a lot of bands professionally. Kind of found that I didn't necessarily want to use my uh, teaching license uh, full time. Uh, I enjoyed performing more. Um, and so I really kind of dedicated myself to performing, uh, doing clinics, uh, around the Midwest, uh, touring with any group I could kind of get in at that point. Um, yeah. And so that just led to thousands of miles of driving <laughs> as well. So I want to go back to this dynamic growing up, right? Yeah. Because, oh. because yeah, I, I think I can relate. Yeah. I have a 15 year old who's playing hockey doing well playing high school soccer doing real well yep and he's still got a trumpet and marching band which is amazing and awesome and there's this dynamic mm -hmm. and i went through it too because mm -hmm. i was playing those same sports when i grew up even worse i was boy scout oh yeah you're busy and loved it <laughs> and my parents had me playing a cello and i remember yeah. getting the ninth grade because socially like those sports Playing the cello and being a scout. Yeah. Man, I was getting absolutely roasted. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, luckily, I wasn't getting known. They would just ask me what I was doing. They're just like, why are you, so, so, why are you gone on the weekend? And why were you gone all summer? You're playing drums. What do you mean playing drums? Show us what you mean. And then they would sit me down and make me take out sticks and a drum pad, a practice pad, and like play something. And I'd play it and they're like, oh, how did you learn that? That's amazing. And I'm like, well, that's what, that's where I was all summer <laughs> for like eight hours a day. But yeah, yeah, I, it's so growing up, I was part of all these kind of, and I guess it was subconscious, you know, I didn't, I wasn't like, I'm going to be a well-rounded that it's just, I had a lot of interests, yeah. I guess. And I, you know, and I guess being in the music side of it, uh, I have this conversation a lot with other musicians. Cause I find that like, if you're a musician, you probably, there's not as many musicians who are outdoors people. There's a few, but that's not the majority. And I, I always tell people, they're like, well, they're, how, how did you get into fishing so much and hunting? I'm like, well, I, I don't know. My, I, as a kid, we you went all the time. But I, I, I've come to the conclusion that in order to really be into it, you've, you've had to have one of those days. You had to have one of those days on the water where you caught a ton of fish and it was memorable at a young age. And what was that day? That, those were just sun, there was a sunfish. I was on, uh, oh man, I can't even tell you what lake it was on. Can't remember. It might've been Mission Lake up by Merrifield. And we caught like our limit in sunfish that were the size of my dad's hand. And it was crazy chaos, uh, in a foot of water. And, um, and it was just nonstop. And you got back and you're like, I can't even, I don't even know what just, what happened right there. But I sure like. But it was awesome. <laughs> and then I think, you know, I had a few more of those days too. I remember sitting again on mission, upper mission, lower mission, and catching a giant northern pike on sucker minnows. Everybody just watching their bobber. And, and it was like we were timing it, one every 10 minutes. And I still remember I must have been only 11 years old. But um, I had some of those moments where it made it fun and memorable and awesome. And then uh, you you know, if you have those moments, I think it's kind of 
you're pretty drawn to it from there out. And even if it leaves you during the core days in college, yeah. it's still in there somewhere yeah. inside you. And it did leave. I mean, I didn't fish much for, oh, I would say eight years or so. Mm-hmm. I, I actually was looking through my, um, my old uh, bow case for archery. And I found the, the last license that I purchased before I started music. And it was 95. Uh, and I actually didn't, you, I think I purchased 94, 95, but I never even went. Wow. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, so it kind of, you leave those things for a while, but then you turn, you know, 35, <laughs> 40. What happened? And you just feel like, gosh, I used to love that. Why? I, I, why? I mean, I loved that. I should do that again. And then all of a sudden, and again, like, yeah, then all of a sudden it, it turns right back into when you're a kid again. And now I can't get enough. <laughs> I can't get enough of it. Neither can my kids. So, so when you and I met yeah. and, and forgive me, I'm getting old, but uh, I don't know. Was it at the blues festival? It, it was. Okay. So, so a friend of mine has a grouse camp and Woodcock camp and they brainstormed this thing with Kevin Burt. Mm-hmm. Uh, like bring music to the woods, sit in the woods for a weekend, listen to great music, just celebrate life outdoors. And you and I met there and I was so intrigued by like, you're playing with some big bands. Was that GB late? That was GB late at that time. Yep. Yep. You know, just another one of the little bands that you don't talk yeah. about. <laughs> yeah. But it's a party lifestyle. Like it's, yeah go hard 24 hours a day and you're like yeah no i'm just gonna skip the drinking part and i'm gonna sneak out with a fishing rod yeah i looked at you like what (laughs) like what (laughs) you're like yeah it goes everywhere i go yeah 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 it's amazing it's i i don't know i guess you know there's a lot of reasons to get into music but i always got into it for a career as a career choice not as a social choice and um i love music i love performing music i love practicing music i like the process i like the product i liked all of it but i but it was never a so there was never really a social reason i mean i like talking to people i like being at shows i like interacting don't get me wrong i'm i'm an extrovert in in that uh in that scene in that scenario but uh but yeah it was never really for the social reason so yeah I, i like the fishing rod just started to come with me. I mean, a great example, I, I was playing with Cat Perkins uh, for three years in the middle. I, I started playing with GB Late in 2006, so it's been a while. But there were about two or three years in the middle there where my kids were young. They were just born and, and toddlers, and uh, being on the road was a little too much. Oh, it's just uh, terrible. It was just tough to do, and you, you can understand that. It was tough to do. And so I ended up leaving the band GB Layton for about three years. And in that time I was playing with Kat Perkins. She was playing fewer shows, uh, some bigger shows, but they were a little fewer. She just got out of the, off the show, The Voice, uh, uh, where she, I think she finished third that season. But either way, she would always do the shows in Sturgis. And so I played a lot of shows in Sturgis. Uh, and I came to find out after that first year, I'm like, ooh, I mean, this is fun and all, but this is, this is kind of a crazy place. It can get crazy. If you're out looking for it, it can get crazy. And I'm like, I don't have any interest. And so the next uh, year we went out there, uh, I'm like, well, forget that. There's fishing to be done. I'm not going to just sit around in the afternoon. Because and, and, that's kind of like, 
that's, that's the tough part about being a musician is, is the downtime is the, the boring time. Like that's what gets people in trouble is when you have eight hours in the middle of the day yeah, to do nothing. And so I'm like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing a fishing rod. So I, the next time we went to Sturgis, I brought fly rods and, uh, ended up getting a hold of the principal of Deadwood high school through a friend. And he brought me out fishing two days in a row out there. And so I would just, we'd, we'd finish the show. I'd get up early the next morning, meet up with him. We fished in the middle of Deadwood, the town itself. And we fished, uh, spearfish, spearfish, uh, Canyon. Alt, spearfish Canyon, you son of a gun. Yeah. And it was, it was amazing. I'm like why this has got to be the usual. Like I, this is the way it has to be from now on because it's silly if it's not, I, I love it's, you kind of get out of the hustle and bustle and the craziness and the, and the boredom that happens. Sure. Cause you're just sitting there and it sucks all the life out of you. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, then I, I really think that might've actually been when I started, I got to that place where I'm like, I have to have a fishing rod with me. Like I have to. And, and then I would get mad at myself if I, if I messed that up and all of a sudden we showed up at a gig and there was a, a lake sitting behind me and I was like, this is silly. Well, and that was a good hook to get you because for people who have never seen Spearfish Canyon, yeah, we're talking South Dakota. Yeah. But and it doesn't feel like no, South Dakota. It's no. the mountains, the Ponderosa pine yeah. type stuff. Beautiful. Beautiful Canyon with this gin clear stream, just kind of yep. hopping its way down the mountainsides. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. I, I, I didn't know it was there, to be honest. And I, once you got away from all of the sound of, you know, the hundreds of thousands of motorcycles and the smell of exhaust, um, it, it was like, where am I right now? Like this does, I feel like I just kind of beamed away to some other land. Kind of the equivalent, I guess, of, you know, how you feel when you go down to the Driftless in Minnesota, where you feel like you're not in Minnesota anymore. Yeah, so anyway, that's when it started, though. Yeah, the fishing rod had to come with. All right, we, ha we have to thank a couple of sponsors who helped make the podcast happen. But when we come back, I want to talk about what that grew into. Yeah. And I want you to be thinking about a couple of the other favorite spots you've stumbled onto while on the road. Deal? For sure. All right. I'm Bill Shirk, the man about the woods. Ryan Enselman is my partner in crime today, and this is the Minnesota Bound Podcast, the stories behind the stories. You know, we have so many great sponsors who help us get to you each week. Uh, first, I want to give a shout out to our friends at Connecticut. Man, this is the winter that kind of has not been 50 degrees outside. And it's like the end of January. It should be 28 below zero. The point is we're getting up to the cabin and the cabin means Connecticut water in the woods. You know, a year ago, we were lucky enough to add Connecticut water at the cabin. And what a difference. Really, for as long as I can remember, we dealt with that stinky, foul well water. But after a painless four-hour installation, we had Connecticut soft water and also Connecticut's K5 drinking system. No more bottled water. Try and make that early morning coffee before getting out in the boat. Just great drinking water right out of the K5 tap. Our laundry, it no longer smells funny, and Connecticut water cleaned up the showers and the dishes. The world's most efficient worry-free water system. Visit Connecticut.com to find a dealer near you and join the Connecticut family. 
We'd like to thank our friends at Lakes Gas. Hey there, Bill Shirk, the man about the woods. Propane, it's clean, efficient fuel produced right here in the United States. Schedule your propane service with a friend. Lakes Gas, a family-owned provider serving the upper Midwest for more than 60 years. 54 convenient locations in Minnesota and Wisconsin. Now with offices in North Dakota and South Dakota, too. Lakes Gas employees live in the communities they serve, so you can expect personalized service from professionals. Oh, and the Lakes Gas offers competitive pricing without all the extras that tend to drive up fuel prices. Safe, dependable service. Lakes Gas, the right choice for your home, business, or farm. Visit lakesgas.com and join the family. Ryan Enselman is my guest today. You just live the lifestyle. <laughs> Rocking out, traveling around, big crowds, and inside the vehicle, a fishing rod. Right. That started taking you places. Yeah. Where else? Are, do you have other favorite memories of gigs or concerts where you were able to sneak away and fish and it just sort of changed you? Yeah, uh, for sure. I, I mean, I have some definite favorites. Uh, I sometimes still think the people in the band think I'm crazy. Because um, they're just like, I just disappear, you know, after sound check. Or I, I used to practice tying knots. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, the, uh, even when I was early on touring with Leighton, uh, I, I'm... I'm quite certain they thought I was crazy because I would be practicing knots like fly tying knots <laughs> in the front of the bus as With we were XLR driving. cables. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Uh, but I would have my lineup there and my scissors and my cheaters and I'd be practicing knots and they're like, whoa, who is this guy? What is he doing? But, um, but yeah, so I have my favorite places and I've, uh, I definitely have a few favorites down in that Cannon Falls area. I, we always seem to find ourselves down in that place. There's, Wow. Um, weather, I don't know. I can always sneak out there, less, at least in, in the, you know, in the non-winter months. Bunch of trout streams. Yeah. Within just miles of Yeah. Town. And so I, in my, I, I have a, so what I do is this, I have my, with the band, with GB Layton anyway, I have, uh, all my drums stay in the trailer. So I have three drum sets at home, or three drum sets to my name. One stays in the trailer. That's just always packed up with whatever band I'm in. One stays at home for practice. One stays in cases ready to go out the door if something comes up. Wow. But in that uh, rolling hardware case that I have, in uh, um, drum case, I, I, I used to keep a fly rod. Like a, just, uh, it was actually a Cabela's like, I don't know what it would be, like a five-piece rod because they kind of fold up a little smaller. Yeah. And I'd keep my tools with a fly box in there. But I started, and I, and I still keep that with me too. I actually keep two rods in my, in my case. And then I keep a telescopic spinning rod. Uh, it just works well. It's easy peasy. And, and also too, with the fly rod, I found myself in places where I didn't have a lot of room, uh, on the back cast. Mm -hmm. So, uh, rather than annoying a bunch of people walking by me behind me, I, I started to bring the spinning rod as well. But when I find myself down in the Cannon Falls area or the Rochester area, definitely have a fly rod with me and I will definitely sneak out uh, after sound check or get down there early. Um, and, and, uh, maybe spend the day down there before the band gets there. Um, 
that's my favorite. Uh, last year, we bought a boat as a family, uh, so, which is a big deal for us because we, we had been saving up and talking about it for a long time. And uh, so we bought a bass boat, and, uh, and now it's a little different. So now I, can, now I can pull the boat behind me as I'm going to the show. So it's a different deal now, <laughs> but it's great. It's great. And, and, and now I just get some really weird looks but, uh, as I'm pulling up to shows to play. But, um, but yeah, so I've definitely some favorite places. We, I, think, I think I actually casted from my drums for the first time last summer, meaning I, I, uh, the stage was on the lake in, in up, uh, where were we? I don't even know where we were at. I want to say kind of the Brainerd Cross Lake area last summer. Ooh, I can't remember where it was at. Either way, the lake was right there. I had my rod all set up. I went fishing and they're like, I bet you can't catch one from stage, which I didn't. I didn't catch one from stage, but I was just happy I hit the water. <laughs> I, I hit the water with that's a frog. So, yeah. That's so awesome. <laughs> I did catch some fish down there from below the stage earlier, but, uh, but yeah, so um, casted from stage. I've had some shows over at PD Pappy's in Stillwater after in the spring, mm. where it's just flooded. Where I've wished I had a fishing rod on stage because I could cast right out the window behind me. See? I could like actually just jig from the from the drum set. But um, but yeah, I mean, we find ourselves up in the in the northern Minnesota area, the lakes area, quite a bit in the summer. That's where. The population goes in Minnesota in the summer. So right. we find ourselves sure. entertaining there in the summer. And so that's where I met you as well, up, up in that area. Uh, also, we find ourselves in the Okaboji area of Iowa, oh, where dear. I've done some fishing there too. Dear Lord. Yeah. And that's a crazy place. But again, like it's, it almost is like Sturgis-like in the sense that uh, you can look and find crazy there if you wanted to, but I would rather find fishing. <laughs> and that's what I go search for. Yeah. In that is something really profound, Ryan, right? Like it's the reason a lot of people do this or some people like us do this. You have to deal with people. You have to be on your game. You have to be happy, excited, yeah. full of energy, just on, right? Yes. On point. Yeah. And then you can sneak away and just breathe and yeah. be alone. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier, but uh, I, I am kind of a weird mix of introvert, extrovert, for sure, in the sense that when I'm on stage, I, I, or even around the stage or at the show, I love people. I can, we can talk music and anything for hours, and I really enjoy that part, and I miss that social aspect, you know, that, that just that kind of small talk and figuring out where people are at. I miss that when I'm not doing it. But at the same time, as you know, it can, it can get, you can get a little tired and you can want that and, and, and really crave that quiet time. And a lot of people fish for social reasons. And I fish to get away a lot of times. I, I like fishing with people. Uh, I do. But I really love the quiet and the puzzle. Uh, and the view and the feel uh, and uh and the sound and the sound or lack, or lack of yeah yeah no i and i i mean i love it and i and uh and that's my that is my escape in those moments uh, maybe my recharge my uh, so that i do have the uh fuel tank you know the fuel in the tank to to do more the social part of my job 
And then there's this other part of your life, this thing called family. Yeah. You're married. Yeah. Two sons. Yeah. Ages. They are 16 and 13. And uh, do I they always play music or uh, do they fish? Oh, that's a tough one, right? <laughs> huh. uh, you know, my, my older son is very musically minded. He's had an opinion about music since he was five years old. He, he has an opinion all the time about, about what he likes, what he doesn't like. He really tries to introduce me. Now he's 16, so it's, it's even crazier because now he's introducing me to new music. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of hearing music that I've never heard before. I, I don't, I like the old stuff that I grew up with. I definitely enjoy it, but I enjoy even more hearing stuff that I have no idea. I, like I've never heard, I love it. That's, that's a huge joy for me. And my son now, 16, brings me the music. And he gets really disappointed when I don't like something <laughs> that he brings me. He's like, what? Why do you, what do you mean? Why don't you like this? But then if, I, if he brings me something that I'm, just blows my mind, I'm like, this is amazing, buddy. Where did you, where did you get this? Where did you hear this? And uh, so that's been super fun. Now, he's super musically minded, plays French horn. He plays guitar and sings. Oh, wow. He does that on his own. He plays the guitar and sings on his own, and, he, and he's really quite good. Sure he does. Uh, which scares me a little bit, you know, because, I, I, you know, I've just been in the music world long enough. But, <laughs> I, but, um, but he, and then he plays sled hockey for the Minnesota Wild sled hockey team. He has a disability, um, a spinal disability. And so uh, he's way into hockey right now, and he's working to try to make the national uh, team. Which is a whole nother conversation, that yeah, program. Is- right. Right. unbelievable the Hendrickson foundation and everything they do in the Minnesota wild. It's awesome. Anyway, he's, he's way into music. He's way into hockey, but he, if I say that I'm obsessed with fishing, I would say he is five times more obsessed with fishing than I am. He has been since three years old. He had that moment that I had when I was a kid, he had that moment over and over sitting on the end of the dock, catching 150 tiny bluegills, thinking every one of them was bigger than the last, even though they were exactly the same size. And me having to sneak dump out the five gallon pail full of fish every three hours so that they didn't die and him being disappointed, but then catching another hundred and putting it back in the bucket or whatever it was. And so he is obsessed with fishing muskies. He just went spearing. He goes spearing all winter long with a friend. Uh, he is obsessed. He, he, he did the competitive bass fishing tournament, uh, where he competed at the national fishing tournaments wow. down, uh, in Kentucky and, uh, Iowa. And so way into it. Um, my younger son is super into hockey as well with the Moundsview Irondale association. We've seen each other. You just at, gave a shout out, didn't you? I did. I did. <laughs> but, but yeah, so he, he loves it. He's obsessed with hockey as well. They're both, they're both really into hockey right now. Yeah. Uh, but then he's also, he's a little, he loves fishing, but he's kind of a two hours, take it or leave it type of kid. It's great. Where he'll go out there and catch his personal best and two hours is done. And he's like, I'm done. Or he can catch nothing, and two hours later he'd be like, "I'm done." He doesn't. He's good either way. It's great, and you respect that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I take them out in the boat a lot, and I've always said that I'm more or less just a referee <laughs> out in the boat is what I'm usually doing. Uh, but they're getting to the age now where it's changing, and it's awesome. It's different, and and they still like I I I snuck out yesterday to go fishing on the Mississippi, and my my 16 year old busted me on the cell phone app, <laughs> seeing my location. <laughs> And I got mad that I was fishing without him. Um, but 
but yeah, I mean, they, they love fishing. We go out as a family a lot. My wife, it's not her priority, but she always manages to get out a good five to 10 times a summer and, and, uh, catch a couple big ones just to show off. And, and, uh, and Is so she the one who sits in the boat with the magazine and no, she'll fish. She'll fish. She fishes definitely, but she's definitely got her time limit. So it's like, we got about a good hour and, and, and she's good. Mm-hmm. But, um, but she likes being outside too. I mean, that's my, that's the big thing for me. I'm not a huge ice fisherman. I like to look for open water. I don't like staring at a hole so much as I like staring at what's around me and just yeah. and being outside. So, yeah. All right, when we come back, I want to talk about what's next. Yeah. Because I have a couple of questions for you. For sure. Um, but just an intriguing story. I just love where you come from and <laughs> what role fishing has in your life. Because for me personally, it's why we should be fishing. It's, mm-hmm. For me, it's less about competition and more about who's biggest, fastest, baddest, and yeah. more about just appreciating what we have around us it's amazing what we have it's crazy you'd never have to leave the state of minnesota and you still wouldn't see everything right well we are the minnesota bound podcast the stories behind the stories i'm your host bill shirk the man about the woods and ryan inselman is my guest today hey we have so many great sponsors who help us uh, bring you the podcast every week um right now we want to thank our longtime partners and good friends at StarBank. Hi, everybody. Ron Shera here again with another nifty story, this one about my favorite bank, the story of StarBank. There's 10 of them in Minnesota, but here's where the plot thickens. A StarBank is more than money. A StarBank cares, cares about its customers, cares about the community, whether it's town parades or the kids' baseball team. Why? Because StarBanks are locally owned. They treat you right. Quite a tale, wouldn't you say? How do I know? Because StarBank is also our bank at Ronshare Productions. Just another story with a happy ending. StarBank, the bank that cares. Member FDIC. To learn more online, go to star.bank. Also, a big thank you to the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources. There's nothing quite like Minnesota winter. Whether you want to try ice fishing, ice skating, or ice boating, Make sure you know the risks and how to play it safe on the ice. Measure ice thickness frequently and never go out alone. Always wear your life jacket or a float coat and have ice picks readily accessible in case you fall through. Playing on the ice can be fun, but it's never 100% safe. Learn how you can play safe before you go out. Safety is always in season. A message from the Minnesota DNR. Ryan Inselman is my guest today. You and I are a little bit alike. (laughs) I I giggle a little bit because... (laughs) I don't know, three or four times a year, I'll walk into the ice rink yeah. and damned if you're not standing there. We make eye contact and giggle like little school <laughs> We're kind of like, living parallel lives here it is in, again. in a weird way. <laughs> you were on the river yesterday yes. doing a little fishing, yeah. and I giggled because I had a couple of friends I was out teaching a few smallmouth bass tactics to, and I looked downstream, I'm like, so that's where Ryan sometimes is. I'm sure that's Ryan, and I'll be darned if. It, it was. wasn't you. <laughs> it was. <laughs> and it's not like I'm out there three times a I know. week. Yeah. That was maybe my second or third time out this winter. So right, just right. very funny. Right. Uh, I want to know if you have goals. Yeah. Yeah. 
both professionally and personally. Yeah, for sure. Um, Cause you've been to the top, man. You- well, I, I feel like I've, I've made a living playing music. And for me, that's the top. Yes. I, I, um, not a lot of people get to say that they do that. I'm not playing stages for 10,000 people, but I'm playing for a living uh, on a regular basis and I enjoy it. And I love it. And so that's the top for me. Um, my goals, you know, they change obviously as you turn from 20 to 30 to 40 to 50 yeah. and 50 is right around the corner. <laughs> and so, um, you know, they change and, uh, I found, uh, you know, when I went to college, uh, it's, it's a weird thing as a musician because you find yourself taking 10 classes to equal your 16 to 18 credits, right? Whereas most of the people that are in, whether it be business or medical or communications, you got your four classes, four credits each, you're good to go. So you, as a musician, you're always piecing together so many things to create your one thing, you know, your life. And, um, so goals change, you know, for a long time, it was to be on the biggest stage with the biggest band, you know, and that meant practicing three hours a day at home, networking, going out to shows at night, talking to musicians, uh, getting recording sessions set up. Uh, Did you have a band in mind? Like, do you have a top three? Like- well, it's so weird how that works because there was a point where I was like, man, I would give anything to play in GB Layton. That's my end goal. It's kind of, I mean, it's almost like when you, I listen to a lot of podcasts myself too. And, and I consider to like musicians to be a lot like athletes in a weird way, in the sense that um, it's entertainment. Uh, you're living on the road. Um, and, and you're always kind of looking to that next mm-hmm. place. I've also found that all athletes want to be rock stars and all musicians want to be athletes. <laughs> That's what I have definitely found, um, which is awesome because it creates some really great conversations. But, uh, um, you know, I, I, I was like, that was my goal. I was like, if I, I would, I had friends that were with GB Layton at the time. I'm like, I would do anything to have that job. And here you were. And I got it. And I was like, this is amazing and awesome. And, and I've been with them now for seven. 18 years or so. And in the, in the middle of that, when I was taking that break, I, I had some friends that were playing with Cat Perkins. I'm like, that's the job that I, that I need right now. And, and it happened and it worked and it was awesome. Um, and so I guess I, I didn't, I mean, it would be great to be uh, Taylor Swift's drummer. That would be wonderful, but that would be a different life too. That's gross. Um, I can't believe you just said that. I know. <laughs> I know it, it would be, you it, would not have a fishing rod along, but you would not have you. a fishing rod and it, and it's a different life too. And you, and I think it takes getting older to understand that. I mean, if I were 30 years old, 25 years old, different story, but I'm, I have two boys and a wife and, and I want to get to all the hockey games and I want to bring them out fishing and I want to get to the cabin and I yeah. want to be able to go on a vacation with my wife and I want to get, you know, all these different things. That would be great. The money would be great. The fame would be great. The touring, what I'm sure would be exciting and wonderful. Um, But I guess that never really, that's never been a huge priority. Like it's more about just enjoying what I'm doing and making a good living and being with good people. Yeah. That's really it. And um, so I guess in terms of goals, my goals are just to keep, doing what I'm doing, but do it a little better. And, and, um, 
to be a better husband, to be a better father, to be a better musician, to be a better business person, uh, to maybe be a little more present and enjoy my time fishing more. That would that would be great if I can keep track of that. Well, and you've got a bass boat now, which I do yeah opened up a whole new world. Whole new world, yeah. Yeah, I, it's it's great. It's great. I, you know, we used it a ton. We, uh, COVID, I was actually borrowing my father-in-law's boat, and we we put that thing to use for sure. But then it was like it's time, and so we got our own, and and we've been using it a, a ton. And I have to admit, I sneak out on my own some days when the boys are at school, and uh, but um, yeah, I mean, so like you know, musically, my goal is just to keep playing music. And I do a lot of different things to keep that going. I record music for, I don't know if I've told you this in the past or not, but uh, I record music for gymnastics. I have my own company that sells music to gymnasts around the world. And I create original music uh, for purchase um, for all, for gymnastics around the world. And I also do editing for colleges around the country. Uh, I edit the gymnast music to kind of get it into the place they can use it. Um, but, uh, what a niche. Yeah. Like how'd yeah. you find that? My sister was a, a gymnastics coach in central Minnesota and I was doing music for TV. Crazy enough. I was doing music for, for outdoor shows. Uh, this was about 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Uh, I was doing music. I set up a, a website called Inselman outdoor music. I remember this. And I was yes. selling, I had a, a library of kind of a boutique music library which I come to, I came to quickly realize that how much music you guys go through for a season and of maybe shows. more importantly, how cheap we are. <laughs> well, right, right. There's definitely a budget. And I, and I, and I just realized I was a, I was a small fish in a giant piece of water. And I, and my sister at that point goes, man, that music though, that you're, that you're putting together, gymnasts would buy that and use that on, on the floor for their floor routines. Wow. It's like, you really think so? And I put it off for a good two years, honestly. And then I finally was like, okay, I'm going to edit some of this music together to fit for those purposes. And, and it worked and people started buying it. And then I started getting more requests for it. And people then I was asking, like, yeah, yeah. they were asking. So then I started writing music specifically for that. And now we're on year 15. And so it's been 15 years of writing original music for gymnastics. But then I also, the other portion of my job with that is, is editing uh, music for those, for colleges and for different clubs around, around the country. So I do that. And then I've also, through that, found myself uh, editing podcasts, much like these. So I do a lot of podcast and audiobook editing. Brandon. As well. Don't look so nervous. Everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. Brandon's like, yeah. whatever. I'm going, I'm going fishing. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. I mean, I, I guess I've, I like the puzzle of things. And uh, music to me is a puzzle. Yeah. Uh, fishing to me is a puzzle. Audio editing for me is also a puzzle, be it a visual puzzle as well as an audio puzzle. Um, and I, crazy enough, enjoy it. Uh, a lot of people are like, how do you sit there? Because I actually call, and you might be able to relate to this, Brandon, but I call my job uh, professional spit removal is really what it is. Like I'm just taking out ums and ahs and, and spit noises. And so... I've been doing that for the last couple of years as well. Uh, and I enjoy that. Uh, so, I mean, my goals are just to keep exploring and, and as a musician, you learn to just keep your, your mind open and your doors open. Uh, what about on the fishing side? Are there places you want to go Holy cow. or fish you want to catch? My son has a list 
of about 20 places out of the country that he wants to go to. Uh, and I might have to start dipping into that with him. Um, but oh, man, I mean, we kind of go all over. Uh, I have a great friend, Casey Smith, um, who I played in bands with for the last 15 years uh, with Jesse Lang initially. And he is a traveler and a wanderer uh, who keeps me on my toes and invites me and says, we got to fish here. We got to fish there. You're coming to Belize with me. You're coming on this musky trip with me. Oh, boy. And he travels the country in a decked out sprinter uh, filled with guitars, speakers, and fly rods. And um, he's along the same lines. He does, he does like more even, to be honest, the hyped up version of what I do. <laughs> and it's awesome. But he keeps me in a loop. Um, and so I'm sure he'll have a trip in mind that we'll start talking about. He's already trying to get me down to, down to South Padre. Uh, to fish for redfish down there and we'll play some shows at the same time. Uh, he does a lot of acoustic music uh, and, and I, I've started to get into more of the acoustic percussion side of things with acoustic solo artists and duos uh, wow. playing shows with them, but doing it a little bit more on the, the subdued side, a quieter version of a drum set. I use a box that's called a cajon and shakers and tambourines. And I, I more support the singer songwriter rather than being the loud guy in the back, just banging out twos and fours. And so um, I, I started doing more of the acoustic stuff, which is great because that's opened up some more opportunities. Uh, music scene has changed in 20 years. You don't have places like O'Gara's anymore, or you don't have places like... Cool hangouts. You don't have those, those bars that are those clubs that, specifically higher music like they bring in music as their centerpiece um it's changed and and in those days it was original music you know now there's a gazillion tribute and cover bands which is great they're making a living and i can appreciate that for sure um but i so enjoy that original music thing and so um i, I do another thing on sunday nights down at plums and in, in st paul that old little bar which is just a great place. Uh, a guy by the name of Nick Hensley has been running a singer-songwriter showcase for nearly 20 years. Every Sunday, 15 new artists come in and play two songs they've never played. And I just make, I play with them, myself and a bass player. And we just kind of make it up on the go. And, and I get to hear 30 songs a night that I've never heard. And I, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. And, um, and these people are brilliant songwriters. It's kind of like along the lines that we have enough water in Minnesota to fish that you'll never run out. We have enough songwriters and musicians in Minnesota that you will never run out of great music. And these singer-songwriters are, are phenomenal. And Nick does a great job of, of supporting that and giving them an outlet and a place to, to do it. And I'm just lucky to be a part of it and to be able to create. And more than anything, I just feel like I get to sit there for three hours and listen to awesome music yeah. um, that I would have never heard otherwise. Uh, and so then I get to bring new music to my son <laughs> and go check this out. So, That's not young gravy. I know. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> right. So, but I, so I guess, you know, yeah, you're asking about goals. I mean, the goals are just to keep going. And keep doing the thing that I love. Uh, I love fishing. I love playing music. I love talking about both of those things with anybody who will listen. Um, Could we go fishing at some point? Yeah. I promise I won't talk. 
No, ah, it's all good. Yeah, I don't think that we'll both be talking a lot. I'm we've sure been, we've been saying for years we're gonna get out together. Yeah, yeah, I would love that. I would love that. It gets in the way. Yeah, I kept on. I kept. I had this thought, and I, I, you know, we kind of bounce back texts. God, I don't know how many years we met. Uh, how many years ago we met? But it was a while ago, and since then, you know, I've bounced. We've bounced texts back and forth, and my son is obviously my older son is a huge outdoors person and he had his own YouTube channel and he was doing fishing shows for a while. And I was like, we got to get our kids together to fish. Cause yeah. I would love to be a fly on the wall to hear what my 16 year old has to say to your 15 year old out in a boat for four hours. It would be, that would be entertainment in itself. Um, but yeah, you and I need to get out. I got, I've got a couple spots. Okay. All right. I got to get you out of here, but yeah, I have, Two questions yes. that I love to ask people, and maybe we already know the answers based on the conversations we've had, but the first question I want to ask is, do you have one piece of outdoor gear, whether it's a fishing rod, a shotgun, a tent, some piece of gear that is just so important to you that is just beloved? What is it? Ah. <sighs> Holy cow. My first, my, my first thought is, uh, is the, my first trout fly rod that I bought, which is a St. Croix Imperial, I think is what they were called or Emperor or Imperial. I think it was Imperial. Imperial, I think. And they're a little cheaper. They're on the, they're on like the, the cheaper side of, of fly rods, but I absolutely love it. Uh, I, I, I can't get rid of it. I actually, I actually bought extra tip pieces for it just in case they ever break. Um, but that's my, that would be my, my first thought. My wife also bought me a really great fly tying vice uh, about five years back with a big granite bottom Ooh. that um, I absolutely love too. So, yeah. I love that. Uh, we love tying flies in our house as well. We're, we're pretty obsessed with that as well. When we can't fish, we're thinking about fishing. It's a creative outlet. I love it. It's great. It's art. It's, I call, we call it man crafts. We come out back into the house covered in hair and fur and sparkles, and, <laughs> and it's great. I love it. And then you use that stuff to catch fish. Love it. Yeah, magic. absolutely. That's, that makes it all the better. All right, second question for you. Yeah. Was there a moment in time in your life that changed you in the outdoors? Just that moment that set you on a path? Um, that's a tough one because... I love fishing. I used to do a lot more hunting. Uh, but as you know, as you become an adult and your time is a little more valuable and limited, you have to sometimes choose. Uh, and fishing has turned into the thing that I've, I've chosen. But when I was 13, I, I shot a 13-point buck with my bow. And that was the first year I had, had ever shot. I was hunting with my dad in St. Cloud area. Uh, um, I wasn't like, I was into it, but you know, I was still 13. I was pretty young, but that I was just being in the woods by myself. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Being in the woods by myself and feeling like you're kind of in the middle of nowhere by yourself was a really cool feeling to me. I don't know if it was like an independence thing at age 13 or what, but I remember then ever since after that, I loved almost the feeling of getting lost in the woods. Uh, and then trying to find your way out. 
Um, so I would, I guess maybe that, that time when I was 13 started to sit in the deer stand by myself. Um, that was a pretty, that was a pretty big deal. Uh, I think then it turned into me riding my bike down to the river myself. I lived in Sartell area. There's some great bass fishing there. And so I would, that's when I started to be like, oh, well, if I can, if I can sit in a deer stand myself, I can go to all these pieces of water that I, we drive by on a regular basis. I can go to those by myself. And so um, I think maybe it was that independence of the outdoors that kind of got me. That maybe changed things. Love it. Yeah. All right. If people want to find your work, what's the easiest way to do that? Uh, well, my live playing schedule, as of right now, I'm playing Sundays at Plums in St. Paul with the Singer Songwriter Showcase. And that's, that's just a really fun thing to do. That's more for my creative development. Uh, I will, uh, GB Layton has taken off some time over this winter. Uh, just to kind of get our bearings and, and all that sort of thing. But we start back up in May uh, and there might be a big show announcement coming up where we kind of have a bit of a comeback show in, uh, in the Minneapolis area. Um, uh, Brian is in a really great place writing wise and, and health and personal wise. And um, we're going to hopefully do a real uh, big show coming up uh, in May. Um, and then my business, I, I still just do a lot of editing of music and creating original uh, music for gymnastics. And that's floortracks.net. Uh, that's my company. Uh, and I'm in the creative season for that. So I am writing and recording right now. Uh, when you're not out fishing. When I'm not out fishing. I saw you out there. I know, busted. <laughs> Ryan, <laughs> it is awesome to sit and talk. Yeah. Next time we do this, let's do it with fishing rods. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Thank Thanks you. so much. Thanks for having me. So that about does it for the Minnesota Bound podcast. I'm Bill Shirk, the man about the woods, your host. And these are the stories behind the stories. Again, a big shout out to the sponsors who help us get to you each week. Connecticut Water, Lakes Gas, Star Bank, and the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources. Until next week, as we always say, don't forget to introduce a kid to the great outdoors. We're out.